Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is March 15th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. Welcome to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. Hope you guys are having a great day, a great week. And it is less than a week, less than a week from the NHL trade deadline, which is, as someone who's been doing this podcast for a few years now, is kind of the best time. So you can come on here and uh, there's just so much to talk about with the market and what could happen and what might happen and what will happen. And the Bruins are in a good spot. The Bruins are in a really good spot. They've been terrific of late, and they're in a spot where they're going to buy. They are buyers. They're completely buyers. Uh, are they the best team in the Atlantic? Nope. They're getting close, but nope, not yet. And on this episode, Connor Ryan uh, joined me, and we discussed, first of all, we discussed some current Bruins happenings, like the third line doing terrific, uh, and where the Bruins are in the standings, and how this team could be different from past teams. But we mainly spent a lot of this episode on the deadline and what might happen. Some potential names that they're after, uh, some guys who would fit in well here, uh, and just how all in they should go. Because again, you guys know this. You guys listen every week. Maybe you should. Uh, But if you do, you'd know that again, through a lot of this, we've said multiple times way back or back in like December, we were kind of like, well, I don't know if this is a team you go all in on. Now it feels like they are. Maybe they're tricking us. Maybe they're tricking us, but it does feel like this is a team to go all in for, uh, especially with Patrice Bergeron's future kind of unknown at this point. So uh, remember, every episode is always brought to you by our good friends over at Bet Online. Use that promo code CLNS50 to get a 50% cash back bonus on your first deposit. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Connor Ryan. <laughs> And we're here with Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Evan, doing well. How you doing? I've been better, as you know, as we were getting on here. Uh, my regular, my personal MacBook uh, wouldn't turn on. Just wouldn't turn on. Like it was, you know, just it, it, no, no low battery sign. No, uh, none of that. You know, the, the caps lock didn't work. It just didn't turn on. It was just blank. And so I'm using, uh, I'm fortunate enough to have a work laptop that I'm using right now because um, I, I guess I've got to improvise. Uh, so not the worst thing, but definitely not doing as well as you are. 
uh, or as well as the Bruins are, who are a uh, nice little segue there. They are doing terrific of late, nine one and one in their last eleven games. The only loss coming to Anaheim, the Anaheim Ducks. Who we will get to later in this show when we preview the trade deadline because it is uh, one week from the deadline for us as we record. But when you hear this, it'll be less than a week, which is crazy when it gets down to like the deadline. It's like kind of like getting down to crunch time. Like we've been talking about this for months, and now it's kind of finally here. Finally. Finally. And we'll get to it in a little bit. But it doesn't feel like we're hearing a lot about it. Maybe it's because it's a few days, of, you know, it's still a few days from now. But am I wrong to say we're not hearing a lot of chat? No, you're not getting all like there's a potential chance for this deadline to be a dud just because it seems like either teams are one going in the completely wrong direction in terms of like trying to uh Resign guys when they should be accelerating rebuild. Like the San Jose Sharks apparently going hot after getting uh, Tomas Hurdle signed, which makes no fucking sense. It no makes sense. no sense at all, at all. None. But and again, and that's not just from the perspective of the Bruins sure could use them, but in terms of their long term goal, it's same with like Nashville, who's like supposed to be looking at maybe entertaining an offer for Forsberg before he signs a big deal this summer. And yet they signed, you know, Ekholm to an extension last year and they could have accelerated this rebuild. It just teams don't know what they're doing or whether it's the fact that you've seen some teams that have rebuilt on the fly very quickly. These teams are so terrified of moving, uh, you know, useful assets in case two, three years down the line, they're all of a sudden rebuilding the new core and they've moved that guy two years ago when, again, you're probably getting good value for them if you trade them. So it's a situation where it's either teams are, still reluctant to kind of pull the trigger on moves or there's a lot of buyers out there, not a lot of sellers, or it's again, that yeah, that fact that teams are so afraid of being, you know, caught two, three years down the road without a vital piece in their lineup. When at the end of the day, the, the good move should still be to, to move those assets and get some value back, whether it's draft capital, younger players, prospects, what have you. I don't know why that's so difficult. It's such a, you know, Hey, this guy's leaving at the end of the season. But I think part of the reason why you're not hearing a lot, uh, and you're hearing these kind of wishy-washy things. This guy's like JT Miller, who was rumored for months, has still has a year left on his deal. They don't have to move him. Same with uh, Chikrin. Like, they, he has many years left on his deal. You don't have to move him. So I think that's kind of the holdup a bit. Again, we'll get to the full deadline stuff later in the show. Nice little, nice little, you know, nice little primer for what we get to later. Kind of keep you interested, as they say. Um, but if there's anything good going on in the land of the Bruins right now, the top thing is Charlie Coyle in this third line. Uh, this is coming together, and it's it's been a while. This has not been like a week or two weeks. This has been a while for them that Coyle, Smith, Frederick is working. And it's funny because we said this, you know, I said this a lot during last offseason in the sense that you need depth to win, to, 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 to go deep. Now, granted, have they gone deep yet with this group? Nope, they haven't, right? Like, it's just regular season success. Um, and that's, you know, but that's all you can get right now. That's all you can get. And right now the depth of Eric Halla is, is holding together on line two. The fourth line has been working. The third line now is producing. You have balance and depth that you didn't really have in past seasons. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that third line has been crucial. I mean, you look at so far in March, I think it's, you know, it's been six total games. And I want to say that the Marchand, Bergeron, DeBrusque lines combined for, I think two goals over those six games and the Bruins are full one and one. Now this was <laughs> earlier in the year where you didn't really know who the two C was or, you know, the third line and fourth lines are sort of out of whack. 
and you you knew going into it that your top line was only getting you two goals over a six game span. What are you looking at? Like you know, you're selling one, the deadline. Yeah, one four and one <laughs> is what you think the record would be. Not not four one and one, right? So, uh, yeah, it's it's huge for the Bruins in terms of just putting that line together. And again, that's not a line that was a, a situation where our, you know go back to January and they had pasta got shifted down to the second line you're like all right this is new but like this makes plenty of sense like of course there's probably people who are clamoring for that top line to be broken up for a while now you look at this third line when they got you know assembled it wasn't a a sure given thing that they were going to produce there's a lot of question marks right because in years past you didn't know how coil and smith were going to gel together because on that second line it didn't seem like it really worked out and then trying frederick we've talked about it before you didn't know is this guy just going to be kind of, you know, pigeonholed as just a fourth line checking player. Like what's his offensive ceiling? You know, how does he kind of mesh with those kind of players? And it's worked out great. I mean, it certainly helped that Craig Smith, who's been hot and cold for mostly cold for most of this year is on a heater. So you're getting red hot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's helped out a lot that a lot of these encouraging shifts, a lot of these extended ozone possessions are usually ending with, Smith firing one into the net, which helps out their overall production. But I think you look at the fact that I think Coyle seems a lot more engaged. He looks healthy. And it's one of those things too, where Coyle may, may not have worked out at, you know, second line center opening the year, but I don't think that was also a byproduct of him. Like, I think it was also so, you know, sometimes it's just not meshing with the other players in their play style. Cause you know, he was still a productive guy. I think you looked at where he was in November, December, I think he was on pace for like 45, 50 points, which yeah. maybe is what you're looking for, for a two C, but still pretty effective. And a guy who looks night and day from compared to what he was last year. So hopefully that knee surgery, uh, helped him out quite a bit, but whether it's coil and Smith playing well, which you desperately need or Frederick, who again, we've talked about this before, but you look at Frederick's value uh, on this NHL roster. He doesn't need to be this guy who's going to become a 20 goal scorer. The Bruins would love if that happened, but if That'd he's, cool. <laughs> if he's a guy who gives you 25, 30 points over an 82 game span, plays physical ho- uh, hockey, uh, doesn't end up in the penalty box that much. And add just that level of physicality and just the smart sound plays. Like he's not this guy who, you know, during these ozone possessions is, you know, dangling through guys or he's doing a pirouette <laughs> on the ice. But if he's winning, you know, he's winning board battles, he's recovering pucks, doing those little things that contribute to, uh, you know, extended ozone shifts, it's leading to positive results. So it's funny that you look at where some of the other areas of this Bruins roster they have to address, whether it's the top line of DeBrus gets moved to see if you still think you need an upgrade there. Obviously the defense, one thing you don't have to worry about is the third line right now. Like that's a line I would not touch at all between now and March 21st or beyond that. Yeah, no, don't touch it at all, actually. Just leave it. And it's funny because, you know, again, uh, you kind of mentioned this, but Smith and uh, Coyle didn't really work at all when they were paired together to begin last season. And that, and then Smith went up next to Krejci and started to produce. But it was kind of like, man, they kind of got Smith for Coyle and didn't work out. And it, that kind of felt like a lost cause. Now it's completely shifted. Now it is working. It's kind of all coming to fruition in that sense. But again, I think part of the reason Coyle works so well in that third line is, again, you know, you mentioned that he's great, you know, possessing the puck and in the ozone and he's a hard worker and gets back and all these things. But it's also the mismatches, like going up against other, you know, he's not built like a third line center. He's not, he's probably better than a third line center. It's kind of always been the ceiling with him. It's like being on in the top six. But when you get to go against teams, third lines or their fourth lines or whomever, and you're not facing their best, Coyle kind of thrives. And I think you're seeing that 
night in and night out with this third line. So good signs there. Again, the depth is, is coming through at the right time. And, you, you know, it's it's hard to look ahead. And, and we can look ahead right now with Toronto and Tampa, who are two teams who are struggling. Toronto has just been uh, brutal for a bit now. Uh, Tampa's on, I think, like a four or five game losing skid. Yes. Uh, they just lost in Edmonton the other night. Um, not great. Toronto, I think, is in a, a worse spiral because Toronto's Toronto. Tampa's won two straight cups. I think they're fine, but Toronto is looking brutal right now. Yeah, I it's mean, it's oh. it's it's not great. It's not good when you <laughs> got like what is it? Uh, like an eight eight save percentage since eight eighty seven. I think since start of February. It's I mean, who could have seen this coming, right? And it's just like the way that team is built. It's such like a broken roster that I don't know how they address it, right? Like you've got it it has to be maybe not frustrating is right. Well, I'm sure for a fan it's frustrating, but you look at how they've, you know, built this roster in this offseason where like they had so many home run signings for cheap. Like Kasha looks great, Bunting, which we talked about before. Bruin should have signed because he was really cheap and he was really good in a limited sample size in Arizona and he could win the Calder. We know he's like 38 years old, but, <laughs> he's like, he's on but still, yeah, yeah, exactly. Still like home run signings across the board and it's all going to be undone because they don't have a goalie. And so now like what spotty win? Cause like, it looks like Campbell's out of gas. Peter Morozik is Peter Morozik, which like, even if he rebounded, let's say like you roll with Morozik and, uh, he finishes the year on a high note and they, you know, get to the playoffs. If you're uh, a Maple Leafs fan, do you feel confident in Peter Morozik, especially if you're facing the Bruins, which no, not I don't think, I don't think Peter Morozik, yeah, has a fun time going up against the Bruins. So, no. so, so now you're in this spot where like you're circling the wagons and like trying to figure out what to do. So it's like, now you're seeing, Oh, does Toronto need to get Marc-Andre Fleury, which now it's like, you know, you're, you're hoping to, instead of, adding other pieces to your roster to help you, you know, push you across the board. You now have to invest in a, a goalie who may not even want to be here. Like if Chicago's moving flurry, it's going to be up to him. And if I'm flurry, do I want to no. go to Toronto? Oh, not now. No, no. you don't. <laughs> so it's, no. yeah, that is the, the, it's it's not a good. lovable guy. I feel like that would be the one place where they would just still find a way to hate him. Because it's, he would just be off. I, you know, you never know. The defensive front is so bad. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, it is. If you're the Bruins, you have to be smelling, I think, blood in the water in terms of moving up in the Atlantic, which even five, six weeks ago didn't seem like it was going to be the case. But now, whether it's Toronto, which that is a deeply flawed roster, or Tampa, who I think is just more or less in a rut. I, I, I'm not worried about Tampa Bay at all. Again, we'll see what happens when, like, we get to the playoffs because it is going to be like a full 82 game schedule for them. Vasilevsky, fantastic goalie, but how like that workload plays out. It'll be interesting to see how that happens, but if there's a team that's going to rebound, it's probably going to be a team that's won two cups and has a lot of winning players on that team. Toronto, not great. That's not great. Very scary. No, very scary for them. Uh, But I do look at kind of the Bruins depth and you say, this is something they have not had in past years where like even last year and even in, 1920 when they won the president's trophy if memory serves their third line was not that great uh the fourth line was there um you know again you didn't get a lot of production outside of that top line and it feels like this year it's completely different where you're getting depth scoring and who knows maybe that's what gets you competitive with tampa maybe that's what gets you past these teams and again that's why you kind of got to invest because you don't know um but yeah, Toronto. Toronto is catchable. Toronto's two points behind. You're two points behind Toronto. They're falling fast. Um, and it's funny. It's like Jack Campbell used the All Star game as like a Stanley Cup. 
he got to the All-Star game. I was like, all right, season's over. I'm good. Yep. I, don't need to, We're done. I don't need to do this anymore. Um, yeah. And then Tampa, you're five points behind. I don't think you're, you're catching them. Um, to me, I still think, and maybe I'm wrong about this, maybe I'd still want to play Florida in the first round over Tampa. And maybe that's just like some PTSD kicking in yeah. of like the past couple seasons because Florida is like absurd and you know they're only going to get better at the deadline. Um, but I still look at that Florida team and I go, well, that's kind of beatable. You know, yeah. I, again, they're nasty, but for seven games, you never know with Bobrovsky. And again, the Lightning are just too good. So hard to tell. Not a safe bet with either of those teams. Uh, but when we're talking really safe bets, talking about our good friends over at Bet Online, it's that time of year as college basketball takes center stage as the tournament is finally upon us. Tom Brady tried to upstage it. But he didn't. He couldn't. March Madness prevailed. Uh, looking to wager this year, BetOnline is the number one spot for all your updated odds and information, along with great contests, including the Bracket Contest, where you have a chance to take home the top prize. It's always a fun time to do. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to get started. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. The fastest and easiest way to wager on all the popular sports and games. Again, promo code CLNS50, bet online, where the game stats. If I'm you, I'm going there now. March Madness is the time to do all these things. March Madness is like madness, as they say. Um, it's funny, I had to work late, very late Sunday into Monday morning because the brackets were released and it was a big thing over at NCAA.com. And I probably read, I probably had to write up and like do like a bunch of different, so many different bracket predictions from different like bracket experts. I was, I, I feel like I'm a bracket ex. I feel like I'm a bracket expert at this point and I am not someone you should be taking college basketball advice from. Uh, not particularly, even though I do think Arizona is going to win. I think Arizona is going to be the team that wins. So that's my, do you have a pick? Have you even had a chance to look at the bracket? I have to do a little bit of a deeper dive, Evan, but I like Arizona. It's always a good one. Every well, The problem is every single year I commit to Kansas. Every year Ooh, they let me down. Yeah. But the one year it's going to be like, you know that like uh, <laughs> the internet meme where it's a guy who's like, has, he's popping the champagne and he's flipping off the crowd and he's got like the yeah. bronze medal. That's going to be me like one year. I'm going to be flipping <laughs> off everyone after being wrong like 19 years in a row and Kansas finally wins again. But we'll see. I'll take do a little bit of a deeper dive. I'll get back to yeah. you. Yeah, get, get back to me on that. Um, but what we're really focused on, you and I and uh, all of the listeners, is the deadline. As I mentioned, we were going to get to the trade deadline. It's finally here. And it's funny how things have changed, right? Because we've been talking about the deadline for months now. Because uh, when they were, when the Bruins were struggling, we were kind of sitting here going, "Should they really invest? Like, do you really want to invest in this crew?" Remember those games? Where you're, they're losing like seven nothing to Carolina, and the three one loss to the Islanders in New York. It just looked terrible. And uh, and then it became all right. They need a second line center. They definitely need a second line center. And then they switched up the top line, and then they moved Pochnack down. They moved Hala up, and said, "Okay, well, you can get by with that." And what's funny is the defensive metrics are actually really good. Yeah. <laughs> like as a, as a sum of the parts, it's working. Uh, but it just kind of comes down to when you isolate everyone and you go, you really want your left side to be Grilzik, Forbert, and Riley or, or you know, any combination of those three. So if going into the deadline, we're a week away now. It's pretty official. What do you look at as their number one need? What has to be done on Monday? Uh, I mean, I still think – if you're looking from the lens of, you know, both improving this team and bolstering them for the years ahead, which I think is still their priority is, you know, not 
a short-term rental. I still think you have to strengthen your team down the middle. I still think Eric Halla, as good as he is, that I think there needs to be some skepticism as to where he best fits on that team. If, if he's a, a capable 2C for the future uh, and going into the playoffs. So whether it's, again, the guy we've talked about, who I keep on talking about is Hurdle, but it's going to depend on whether he's even available. But if he is, that's the guy you go out and get because he's not only the guy that helps you out this year, and it's a good problem to have. You have to decide between Eric Halla or Thomas Hurdle. <laughs> oh, like, oh, no, where do we put Eric Halla? Because we have to bring in Thomas Hurdle. It's a good problem to have. And again, if this team hopes to you know, bridge that gap and continue to contend in the years ahead, whether it's the post-Bergeron era or during these next years where Bergeron's maybe still there, but I mean, he's still not getting any younger, you desperately need a guy like that. So it's not just the fact that this deadline's important for the Bruins in terms of putting them over the top, which is multiple guys that they're interested in. Well, remains to be seen if they're going to be moved, but um, I think the biggest thing is this gives you a window to continue to set the foundations for what you want this team to be in the next couple of years if you're able to get one of these guys. Now, granted, we could be looking at this in uh, you know Monday morning, and we'll find out that Hurdle has signed a seven-year deal because he wants to stay and do middling things out in the Bay Area or well, Bay Area JT. is a nice place. Yeah, worst places to be, <laughs> I guess. Uh, with that Eric Carlson contract and all that stuff. Um, oh, oh yeah, or you know, uh, JT Miller is not getting moved, which wouldn't surprise me. Chickering probably not getting moved, and I mean, he's also very well could be hurt. Andrew Cop uh, got, <laughs> uh, I think he got concussed during his most recent game against the Blues. Shocking. Uh, Good. You know, St. Louis Blues. So I mean, he's a guy who could be out of commission. So, I mean, it could be the situation where the Bruins are sitting there like, all right, there's only like two or three prime targets. At that point, you've got so many teams trying to buy in that, all right, is the best option at that point, Claude Giroux, who you have to give up like a first and a, a blue chip prospect just because so many teams are bidding for his services. And again, I think we've talked about it before, like Giroux doesn't exactly fit that long-term goal. Again, I don't think you're going to see Bruins fans – bemoaning the fact that Claude Giroux's on their team. Like, fantastic player, and he could kind of fit that solution where he could be your 2C if you need him, or he can be that uh, play on right wing on that top line. You've got a, a mega line. So, like, he, <laughs> That'd be in nuts. The, yeah, in the lens of just, you know, the vacuum of just this year, Giroux would be great. It's just how much do you want to invest in that guy for two, three years down the road? Like, Hurdle, if you pick between him and Hurdle, for example, it's pretty clear. But, um, it's going to just come down to, I think, what the market is and what teams are actually committed to selling and what those prices are going to be. Because I think the Bruins are interested in upgrading in a ton of areas. Like I said, 2C, but I still think they could use another defenseman somewhere. Uh, I don't know if a guy like Lindholm is the best option because I think he's going to be pricey and I think he's set on going to market, even though he is a top four guy. But whether it's like Josh Manson or if you want to even do like a cheap value ad like Justin Braun, uh, isn't flashy. He's not going to steal the headlines in the back of the paper, but it's a guy that helps you out in that regard. So a lot um, of headlines in the back of the paper. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Front? Yeah. I messed it up. <laughs> Whatever. I don't, I don't, I don't work <laughs> I don't for the newspaper. newspaper anymore. I, don't, I, don't I don't work for the newspaper. It's a, digi- it's a digital publication, Evan. Yeah. Um, but you look at just the multiple ways that, you know, avenues that they can improve this team, plenty of different, you know, routes they can take to, to improve here or there. It's just, I think it's going to come down to what the market is. And right now it just seems like teams are biding their time or hesitant just to go all in with committing to selling those assets. Yeah. I mean, again, I, and we've said this a lot, like Drew fits 
perfectly short term. Like I don't think you can find a better short term fit for just you can plug and place him anywhere in the top six, and I think you're you're cooking. Um, but again, Hurdle just works long term. Like if you can get him to re-sign uh, as well, which I think that'd probably kind of a a wink wink nudge nudge kind of thing. Uh, I mean, again, like what a fit. But again, I look back to Chikrin. I say, man, that'd be a fit. Now I know, granted, he might, the Bruins might have screwed themselves here and actually just injured him. Yes. Uh, even though I, the, the word is that he should be fine. Yeah. Um, like just kind of shaken up, played like a little over five minutes um, against the Bruins the other night uh, on Saturday, which was Irish Heritage night. The green warm-ups and everything. I was not there, but it looked yeah. like a great atmosphere for a Saturday night game against the Coyotes. Um, but I just look at him, and you look at long-term. I mean, he's your number one left-shot defenseman long-term on yeah. a good contract. Um, all signs point to the fact that he is stable back there. Even I mean, granted, his numbers are not great. Uh, or his advanced stats aren't amazing because he's on just kind of a terrible Coyotes team. He's really the number one guy on the back end. He plays every situation. But I think if you just put him in a good system here with a guy like McAvoy or even with Carlo, Mm -hmm. like I think that works perfectly. And again, I said this, I think he was either on Bruins beat last week or poke the bear, the two blend at this point. Um, But I look at, you know, if you have to give up low ride for that, I don't hate that. Like, again, I I think the world of low ride, and I've thought this for a long time, but you're basically trading a future Chikrin for a current Chikrin. And you need to win now, yeah. in a sense. And 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 Chikrin's young. Was he 23? He's 23. 23. He's my age. I said this last week. But my point is, again, it makes sense. So if you can find a way to get Chikrin, and and if, if the package is centered around Lorai, mm-hmm. I have a hard time not doing that. I, I, I think my concern with Chikrin is he's a great player. I don't think it's going to be Lorai in the first. I, I, I guarantee you Arizona wants Lorai, Lysel a first, and probably DeBrusque and maybe something else. They want that much. Yes, like, no. apparently what uh, I think it was Greg Wyshynski said, they want multiple firsts, like two or three top prospects and like an NHL player. This is the and same see, team. This is the same team that would not give in on salary retention to the Bruins for Oliver Ekman Larson. Like, Bill Armstrong is not going to budge for a guy that's got. Uh, that many years on his contract, they don't need to move right now. He's only going to move him if he gets a legit piece. And again, this is why when we talked about Chikrin before, and we revisited when we said that when the reports were out there, the Bruins are still interested in him. But I initially took Chikrin off the Bruins, you know, sweepstakes list a while back because Rask retired and Swayman became the number one. Cause I thought the only thing Arizona would, would budge for would be Swayman. And it's not going to be the case anymore, but if, if he's off the books, which he would be, I think they're going to ask for a lot Laura and Lysel for Gallagher. Like and again, and they, no, and, they have no leverage to, to fold if the Bruins are, at, are, you know, holding off against that. Yeah. And the other thing is they don't, ha- again, as I said, they don't have to move him. Yeah. Like they all, they have, they can do this every year for like three or four more years if they wanted to and just keep like dangling them out there. Cause they're not contending anytime soon. Um, so I, again, that's another element of like, that's just, they don't have to, they don't have to budge off their asking price. If someone really needs a chicken, they'll pay for them. And, 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 and if they hit that price, then so be it. Uh, a team I do look at, though, is the Ducks. The Anaheim Ducks are an interesting case because they have a lot of what you might need. Ricard Raquel would plug right into your top six. Um, he's played center in the past. I mean, you could maybe get by with him being a center. I, he's, I believe he's on the wing right now with Anaheim. He's mostly a, he's um, mostly a winger. 
mostly a winger. But again, maybe you can put him at center, but you, you, he can find a spot in the top six for him, most likely. Um, and on D, you know, either Lindholm or a guy like Manson, who kind of solidifies you as a third uh, pairing defenseman. That could be, again, like a, you, a, you get you, you deal for two of them, right? Um, do you see that being a potential thing that they do? Because the Bruins have in the past, like, trading with the Ducks. Yeah, there's history there. And, again, you said within just the, the lens of just this season, it makes plenty of sense. Like, Raquel is a previous 30-goal scorer. He's had injuries in the past, which you have to be a little bit concerned about. But in terms of – you know, that if you're committed to moving to Bruss, for example, and you're trying to find a, a good bet to place in that top line, guy like Raquel, who's a shifty player, good shot. Uh, again, most guys do pretty well with it with Marchand and Bergeron. So Raquel, you would imagine, would fit in pretty well there. And if not, and you have to move him around, he's still a valuable piece somewhere. You can, you, you'll find a spot for a guy like Ricard Raquel. So that one makes sense uh, if you're able to, if you're trying to focus on adding some more scoring pop on the wing if DeBrusque is indeed going to be moved uh, by next Monday. And then, yeah, either Manson or Lindholm. I think the Manson would definitely help out within this year, even though you have to, you know, go through the, you know, what, whether it's eating his contract, because I think he's up to like a $4.1 million cap hit um, or like with Lindholm. Lindholm makes plenty of sense within the, the fact that he's, Top four guy, big body, even though he's not necessarily like a bruiser. You know, he's not like the 6'4", and he's going to be like rocking guys all over the ice. But still, 20-plus <laughs> minutes a night, you know, is able to rack up points. Uh, at least he's a guy that you can pencil in top four and not have to worry about it. Like if, again, if your top four is uh, McAvoy, Grizzlick, Lindholm, Kahlo, you're doing pretty well. It's that's, just that's whether, yeah, it's, it's just the fact that for him, it's, it's you know, the guy that you build – you want to build for the future with. Cause again, makes sense. 27 free agent, but I think he wants to go to market and you look at his numbers. They've kind of been like a little bit on this downhill trend over the last couple of years. Now he has played a lot this year with Jamie Drysdale, who is a rookie or if not a rookie, he's like 20. So he's I, don't very if, young. Yeah, I don't know if that has maybe hampered his hampered Hampus's stats a little bit. Whoa. Yeah. So, I mean, that could be the case or it could be a guy who's just, 27, 28, and it's starting to decline a little bit, which if that's the case, you don't want to be the guy handing him that checkbook. Like uh, Larson type thing. Yeah, exactly. That, so there's that risk there. Um, but again, it also, just, I think it kind of comes down to one, what the cost is and two, what else is out there? Cause it's like, again, if no one else is available on defense and it's like, well, we just have to give up to get Hampus Lindholm instead. No one's going to be like punching a hole in the wall. Same with Drew. Like, Oh, well you don't, can't get hurdle like JT Miller. I guess we have to get Claude Giroux. Like, <laughs> guess we'll settle again. for this. <laughs> yeah, at in at the very least, like as much as I think Bruins fans and I think the Bruins want to have this team improve this summer or improve ahead of this postseason, and then have foundations in place for the coming years. Where you get excited about, all right, we've got you know hurdle here next year. We can run it right back, or we at least can build off of this if Bergeron retires don't have that same good tidings if it's maybe a guy like Lindholm who goes to the market or Giroux who, even if he resigns, it'd be what, like two, three years? Like it's more of a short, short-term short gain. But if it helps you out this year, which this team's rolling pretty well right now, I don't think, you, again, you're not going to, either way, it's a win-win. And the only lose-lose situation is if the Bruins either 
aren't able to get any deals done and they're still a good team, but you're still looking at for a second round or it's a case where the market is so barren, they have to overpay for a guy where it's like, all right, we had to give up, you know, if like you get Lindholm, who's a free agent and you had to give up one of Lori Lysel for it, then you're oh, like, yeah. okay, <laughs> shit. But, but yeah, yeah, exactly. If you get a first and like a, uh, Sidnika and another guy for hurdle, and then you sign him long term. That's great. And again, as you said with Chickren, if Chickren's available and you get him for a first and Lori, that's one where you're like, all right, you got to give to get, but you got this guy in place for a couple of years now. So that's the only other lose lose if they have to throw in really valuable assets for guys that are either a short term gain or a pending free agent, especially. It's down to what the other Atlantic team. The division teams do again Toronto, Toronto Tampa Florida all bolster up and you kind of do nothing when you could have done something that's another huge loss like that's another like oh arms race we just lost it um so I will ask you this to end what do they do what are your predictions I think we did this back at the beginning of the second half I said they would go for JT Miller and uh, Nick Letty of the Red Wings that's who I said I'm not going to stick with that I think it's going to be very different but what do you think they're going to do because you said hurdle back at the end of the day, so that might still hold. I will do, and it's going to be like wrong immediately because I know like hurdle's going to sign a contract. I say they get hurdle and Jacob Middleton. Fuck! I was I just wrote this down. And they get Ricardo, and they get Ricard Raquel for DeBrusque and maybe like a pick or something like that. Oh, so you think they do both? You think they go? They get uh, yeah, yeah. Let, I, like I'll say this right now, but I'll have to go and like get that cap <laughs> to work. Cause I have to look at that because you have to do a little bit of finagling there, but I think you there's, it's going to, again, it's just going to come down to what the market is, what teams are selling, but like you've got multiple ways to improve this roster, whether it's just slightly bolstering it with a guy like Middleton or Raquel, who I don't think it's going to cost so much as a pending free agent or a guy like hurdle. It's all, you know, it's going to just depend on who's out there and what teams are committed to selling. But if you, have multiple teams interested in moving assets. The Bruins can make quite a few trades that even if it's maybe something that's marginal, like Middleton, who we don't really know he's 25, it's first full year in the NHL, but helps you out. Then it works out. So uh, that'll be my pick. I'll do hurdle Middleton and Raquel. Okay. I was going to say hurdle and Middleton, uh, but I will add to this as well. I'll go with the ducks. So I'm going to go a little bit bolder. I'll say Raquel and Manson or Raquel and Lindholm. They'll do one of those two. So the, the Raquel, Lind, if you did Raquel and Lindholm, uh, or, so I, I'm not saying both. I'm saying or. So you're either yes. doing Hurdle and Middleton or Raquel and Lindholm or Raquel and Manson. Um, if you were to do any of those three, I think you're such a better team. And if, yeah. you, if they did what you just said, then you're, I mean, you're a cup contender. Like, I, I, like no doubt. Um, if you got Hurdle down the middle and you got Raquel as well, and you got Middleton on the back end. Like, I think you are a Stanley Cup contender at that point. It just comes down to Jeremy Swayman holding up a net and Lena Solmark behind him. So lots of interesting stuff. Again, we'll have a lot of coverage for you um, as the deadline gets closer. Uh, what can the people look forward to over at Boston Sports Journal, Connor, for the deadline? Yeah. Yes, uh, obviously. Because everyone's deadline... still recover. Everyone's still, uh, they, they're, um, what's the word? They are still, like, basking in the, the joy that your feature brought. <laughs> on um on the goaltending hug so they're kind of they need they need a good like sequel to that you know yeah or like a punch to the gut when i'm like we i write something <laughs> on friday like yeah hurdles signed uh the bruins want to get better but no team is uh entertaining them because they're all run by idiots who can't embrace rebuild but uh but no we will uh, obviously this week with the deadline we'll have 
uh, reaction to any news that comes out, any, you know, uh, contingency plans the Bruins need to make in terms of this deadline, which seems like it, the market changes every other day, uh, you know, predictions, all that good stuff. Um, as you said, yeah, we had a great feature that came out about Jeremy Swim and Alina Solmark. We should have another one coming out this week uh, on the goalies as well, on a little bit of a different uh, theme. So barring a hurdle trade on Thursday, uh, it should be something a little bit later in the week as well. Um, all that stuff will be over at bostonsportsjournal.com. So please subscribe to BSJ. Want to follow me on Twitter for tweets and uh, breaking news and horrible gifs. Uh, you can follow me at Connor Ryan underscore 93. You could write a story on the goaltending hugs every week for the next seven weeks. And people would eat it up as they should. Uh, but there will be a lot more over uh, at BSJ. That's Connor Ryan. I'm Evan Marinovsky. You Bruins Beat listeners have a great rest of your week. Thank you.